Hello everyone, Ollie here, just to give you a little bit of uh, scene setting, KTG and Maxine have gone entirely rogue and done a couple of episodes without me. Um, they are quite a good little dynamic duo though and they have gone off for good reason to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and they have done lots of shows, seen lots of sights, it's Katie's first time there, uh, Maxine's been a couple of times before but they've met up with ex-angel Charlie Coombs who is nothing short of an expert about Edinburgh and the Fringe. She's been huge amounts of times, and if you're thinking about going um, sometime in the future, it's a really useful session with her. And then very excitingly, as I mentioned networking before, we have a special guest for the second part of the episode. Daniel is from the Choir of Man. He is one of the Choir of Man men, And we're very excited he's come on to talk to us uh, about why men don't generally join choirs. Sort of a follow-up to the episode we did in the first season of the podcast. And yeah, basically Maxine and Katie contacted um, them after the show that they saw, I think, on the first night. And they were very willing to come and have a chat with us on the podcast. So I hope you really enjoy this. And uh, yeah, all in all, I'm okay with the insurrection that's happening uh, with the podcast. So Just a quick technical note, Um, this is the first time that we've been doing episodes in person, Uh, so it's a bit of a new setup, uh, and they're right in the middle of Edinburgh, Uh, there's a bit of background noise, a little bit of sort of levels being different from normal, but I think you can probably let us off, or well, no, them off, because, you know, they went rogue and all that. Uh, So yeah, just bear with and uh, enjoy the show. You guys, I did a thing. I went rogue. Maxine kidnapped me, showed up at my door, and took me to the Edinburgh Fringe. She didn't really kidnap me. We, we organized it. But it is so cool to be here. It's my first time. And I thought, why not take advantage of the fact that I'm at the Fringe to speak to the lovely Charlie Coombs, who is a little bit of a Fringe expert. Hi. Hi, Charlie. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. And we also have Maxine. Hi. Because she kidnapped me. Yeah. Not really. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Charlie, for giving us some time this week. You're welcome. You're super busy. We saw your spreadsheet. I put it in. I put this in the spreadsheet. I know. Though, so We're special. <laughs> Shall we just get started? Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So my first question, because I'm completely uninitiated, so that's that's the angle, you guys. I have no clue. So I wanted to ask advice, and then this will help you plan for next year. First question is: How many times have you been to the Fringe, and why do you love it? It's embarrassing because I've actually lost count. I'm not entirely <laughs> certain. I think it might be 12 times. Oh, that's amazing. But I don't know. Have you seen Hamilton more often? Uh, also, I can't quite remember. Okay. That's a yes. That's um, a yes. <laughs> it first came to the Fringe when I was 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 17 years ago now. There's been a couple of years I missed in my teenage years. And then obviously that the last few years has been no Fringe. And until I got here yesterday, I didn't really realise how much I'd missed it from the last few years. <laughs> but yeah, I've been a lot. Always been a huge comedy and theatre nerd, and everything's here. It's kind of amazing that just arts take over the city for a month. Now that I work in TV and comedy, like most people I know are here in August. It's really easy to show. It's easier to socialise here in August than it is in London normally. <laughs> As evidenced by the three of us sitting in a room together. Yeah, yeah, and the fact that yesterday I just bumped into you guys within 10 minutes of getting here. So yeah. that ha- that's happened to me for the last 36 hours. Like, I've seen so many people I know and it's delightful. Just as a huge nerd, like, it's really great to be here and just be able to see, like, 12 shows in a day if you want. <laughs> and it's a bit of everything. Also, from a practical work perspective, every show I see during the day when I'm here is an evening back I get during the year in London. <laughs> true. Very true. So if I can come here for a week and knock out, like, 60 shows, that's a whole bunch of time back for the rest of the year. Yeah, two months worth. Yeah. 
<laughs> to see more shows. Different and shows. Yeah, see more like shows. That. That's a very good point. Yeah. 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 What makes the Fringe such an iconic event? How does it influence the arts industry at large, in your opinion? I think it's important to say, like, Edinburgh in August, there's about 70 different festivals. So the Fringe is the big one everyone knows about, and it is the biggest one. But there's also the TV festival, which is this week, which is another reason I'm here. There's the book festival. There's some amazing things on the book festival. There's all sorts of festivals. There's, like, there's the international festival as well, which is other arts stuff, but it's specifically, like, bringing in things from other countries, I think. There's so much on, and everyone sort of knows about the Fringe, but there's a bunch of other stuff as well. Like, I always try and see stuff at the book festival, and I'm doing stuff at the TV festival, so... A lot of festivals. <laughs> I don't um, know. Uninitiated. Yeah, so, yeah. I, don't think, I don't think a lot of people who come here do know, actually. I think it's like, oh, it's the Fringe, but... Yeah, well, when, I, when we were talking about the TV fest, I was like, that must be part of the Fringe, but clearly it's not. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> the question? The rest of the question was, how do you think it influences the arts industry at large? Okay. So, historically... If you wanted to make it big in theatre or comedy, you'd come up here, you'd go do your show, you'd hopefully get some good reviews, some word of mouth would come up, and then you'd go back probably to London afterwards and magically get a radio show or a TV show. It doesn't really work that way anymore. Mm. But like back in the day, like the Footlights were one of the first people to win the big comedy award, and that year it was Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie, Emma Thompson. Or they made their name here and got loads of TV from it. And... There's all sorts of, like, people who win the big comedy award. Like, if you look at the people who've won that over the years and people who haven't won it but have been nominated, like, it's a who's who of British comedy. And historic, it's through the 80s, 70s, 80s and 90s, people came up here and, like, made a name for themselves and went back to London with a TV deal. doesn't really work that way anymore. But it's still full of people coming to see new talent and new writing talent and new performing talent. Like, I was literally at a play a few hours ago and I sat down next to this woman who works for HBO in America. And we got chatting and sort of she told me that one of her favourite things she'd seen is a show that one of my friends has written and that's really nice. So I'm like texting after going, um, you need to get your agent to talk to HBO. <laughs> so it's, there's opportunities here and it's a really nice way to like figure out what your art is, I think. It's expensive, but it's, uh, there's things like the free fringe where you can kind of do it in a bit more of an affordable way. But it's just to come here and do your show every day for 25 days is going to really hone the show and hone you as an artist as well as, like, hopefully finding you in the audience. You know so much about this. I love it. <laughs> this is why I asked her, you guys. Um, the next question is, in your opinion, what's the best thing to ever come out of the fringe? Oh, boy. That's your, your that's, opinion. That's an impossible question. I know, I like asking these types of questions. <laughs> um, but, like, some of the comedy that I grew up loving and is why I work in TV came from the Fringe, like League of Gentlemen, which is, like, Mark Gatiss and Reece Smith and Steve Pemberton, and they do Inside Number 9 now. They came from, like, they had a few really great years at the Fringe, and that's how they got their TV and radio, and it's the same with, like, The Mighty Boosh, which was, like, a big love of mine when I was a teenager. They came here and did their shows... Sometimes I meet people who are like, oh, yeah, I remember seeing them in, in an attic up in the, middle, in the middle of nowhere in Edinburgh. And I'm like, I'm really jealous of that. I'd love, yeah. But then I know I've seen people in those venues who are now really, really big themselves. So I think some of my favourite fringe memories, like when I was first, first coming, like I saw Tim Minchin's first year here. And it was amazing. And seeing him like go from playing like a tiny venue here to like a bigger room the next year. And then from like art centres to like arenas is and like musicals like that's really really cool um so it's sort of it's sort of a long game because you're like oh I remember seeing Nish Kumar like eight years ago in a tiny tiny room that was free and now if he comes up to the fringe he sells out so it's in a huge room so it's really really interesting and then there's lots of like um things that only happen at the fringe or like big one-off things that only happen here and can only work here like there's a comedian called Mark Watson and for a while, every year he'd do a 24-hour show. And it was like, for every cult, he sort of had to know about it. And it was a real kind of fringe-like experience. Um, tonight, I'm going to think of The Wrestling, which is a one-off for The Fringe. It's for charity. 
they did it in 2019 and it was like being at a rock concert it's the atmosphere is incredible um it's basically comedians fighting pro wrestlers (laughs) something i'd never see anywhere else i have no interest in wrestling but just the excellent kind of atmosphere at those things is great and for a few years there was a show called a musical and they do one every fringe in one of the big rooms at the pleasance and it would be comedians coming and doing songs from musicals and you'd vote for the winner and that and it was like very late at night it was just amazing and like so up my street um so there's lots of stuff like that that you can only really get here um it's also like you could take a chance on things and someone will fly at you and you'll be like i would never have picked this out of the brochure and you would go and see it on a whim and it's your favorite thing of the fringe so yeah it's um there's a this place got everything yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, I, pre- I asked that question because I was like, maybe Charlie will say six. Oh, yeah. Well, six. <laughs> six started as a fringe show. Yeah. It did two Edinburgh fringes before it went down to London. Yeah. Um, and now it's huge. And now it's huge. Yeah, it's and it's world, yeah. on Broadway. And yeah. yeah. Touring. It's crazy, yeah. huh? Love it. And uh, also, we saw six together in May, guys. It was really we cool. Did. We did. Yay. We're going to talk a little bit about how to help people who haven't come to the fringe before. Any hints, tips, or hacks, etc., on how best to fringe? I like making things verbs. Sure. Um, and yeah, especially for people who are completely uninitiated like me. I think it can be mega daunting because there's literally thousands of shows from like 9 in the morning all the way through to like 2 a.m. every single day. So the best thing to... It's, just, it's easy to start with going, okay, I can go for this week. Like... Two days feels will feel like not enough. <laughs> Five days is a great amount of time. Longer is also great, but it gets expensive. Accommodation is the most expensive thing, as I'm sure you guys yes. <laughs> have noticed. Yeah. Last minute. Uh, and it goes up every single year. I like to Airbnb so that I can always make a nice cup of tea whenever I want. The hotels are really busy and expensive. But um, Airbnb is great and also it kind of gets you out of like this very middle touristy bit quite a bit sometimes. And just feels a bit more cozy and easier to come and go i like to have somewhere where it's walkable so i could go have a nap in the middle of the day if i get a bit tired which i might be going doing later (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then i did like planning what to see like i tend to i'm at the point now where because i can look at the fringe program and go okay i know who i want to see i know who i've heard good things about these are people i know these are a few things i'm going to take a punt on it's really easy for me to do that but obviously if you're coming at it completely cold you'll probably want to see some people you've seen on TV or go see a production of a musical that you're excited to see. Which is the route I took. I I filtered on the musicals. (laughs) Sure. So I think it's always good to book a few things and sort of the bigger comedians, they'll always sell out. And some as soon as... The earlier in the month you go, the easier it is to see lots of stuff. We're here in this week, which is like the last week. So loads of stuff sold out um, because they've had really good reviews and really good word of mouth. It's kind of worth keeping down reviews, and if something's getting a lot of positivity, like and it sounds like something you want to go to, book it. But my advice would be leave gaps and just walk around, enjoy the fringe a bit, and see what's on. Like there's posters everywhere, so many. There's people flyering you everywhere, and there's lots of review websites that you can check that are like just fringe review places. So my tips are like, you got to be organised and hydrated, and try and get some sleep. But at the same time, like, you will get FOMO <laughs> quite quickly and easily. So it's just about sort of taking a few chances on things, looking at stuff you're excited to see. You can get the Fringe brochure, usually you can get it at the end of May. This year it was, like, middle of July. But if you're in London, loads of theatres in the middle of London, they have it, like any of the kind of Fringe venues in London. Um, or, like, FOPs, you can always get the Fringe programme in. Or you can order it online. They have it all on the website, but it's really hard to look at the website cold because mm. there's thousands of shows. So the program's really nice because you can flick through it, look at the pictures, read the blurbs. And then, yeah, like I always make a spreadsheet to try and like organise my time and then it's colour-coded. Very proud of it. Uh, <laughs> you invest Maxine and I into yeah. creating our own version, so, yeah. Um, super useful, actually. Incredibly. Yeah. It's just a really good way of visualising it and seeing, being able to move stuff around and know what you've booked. So I always do that. And then practical tips. 
if the weather doesn't say it's going to rain, it will still rain. Like today, beautiful. Look at these clouds though, they're coming in. It is going it's to rain. It's going to rain. Yeah. This is uh, Scotland, guys. It will rain, no matter what you think. Yeah. It will get cold as soon as it gets dark. Rarely I make it in Edinburgh without having to go down to Princess Street and go to like H&M or somewhere and buy another layer. This year I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling positive and like I packed really, really well. Fingers crossed. Oh boy. Um, so yeah, have a waterproof, have, a, have an umbrella, have a bottle of water, yeah. have a portable phone charger because you will run your charge down really quickly <laughs> looking yes. up stuff, using Google Maps. Sometimes, because there's, there's so many people here, signal is bad. So there's a there's a big map in the back of the fringe program which i always rip out and come up with come up bring up with me it's yeah just sort of walking spending the first few hours you get here just walking around and orientating yourself a bit most stuff is in within like a square two miles all the big venues so most people coming to the fringe for the first time will be seeing like stuff that's a bit more established and will probably be in this within the square two miles so it's quite busy but it's great and Lots of people are very friendly and can point you in the right direction. And everything's very well signposted when you get there. Anything to add, Maxine? I agree with the website. It is very difficult to just kind of go on there and yep. you see how many pages there are. <laughs> That's, yeah, it's not ideal. Um, even filtering doesn't help much. So I would say definitely allocate some time beforehand to try and make a list of everything you want to see. And... Definitely make a spreadsheet. I think my always initial start of before I make the spreadsheet is writing a list of everything I want to see and then separating mm. out into like time kind of chunks. Yeah. yeah. So every, like through, do three hour chunks. So like I know what's between like midday and three and then I can sort of pull things into the schedule that way. Yeah, because, well, everything plays multiple nights a week, if not almost all of them. Yeah. So you need to also make sure that you don't organize yourself so that you have a clash and you can't move things yeah. around. Mm because um, that was luckily Maxine and I didn't have to worry too much but we had to we had to think about it before we booked tickets to make sure we could see yeah. everything we wanted to and we're not even seeing that much so yeah I think which show is close to the next one we want to see as well it's just yes. trying yeah so we discovered that to it. yeah two of our shows are in the same place so we were panicking that we weren't going to get to see them but then we realized they're both in the outer belly so it's <laughs> yeah. fine <laughs> yeah um okay so what are you most excited about seeing this trip <laughs> Charlie looks perplexed for it's just no it's, it's not to like blow my own trumpet but I'm really good at picking now so like I'm excited by everything I'm just excited to be here really yeah. I was really excited to get a cinnamon bun which I did this morning from this place called Soderbergh yes I need to go do that now and too. it's so silly because they opened one in London now but I never go to that one it's an Edinburgh thing <laughs> Um, they're so good <laughs> I mean you convinced me it doesn't take a lot if they're listening me. I will happily like Instagram about your your buns all the time <laughs> in exchange for free buns <laughs> but um, but yeah I'm really excited about the wrestling like the big one off shows like they're always so fun I'm just everything I'm excited by really cool. I'm excited to see my friends perform I'm excited to see shows I've been looking forward to for ages I'm excited to see stuff that is from writer performers that I've heard about but I don't really know very well I'd like to see what they're doing so it's just being here is very exciting and it's yeah the like, atmosphere is great yeah it's it's like it's my second city I don't know any other cities I know London well and then it's Edinburgh like I know we're around really well and that's such a weird feeling coming and going oh yeah everyone's everyone knows here and I know we're around really well and that's lovely so yeah. it's just be, just the very fact of being here especially after three years of not it two years of it not being on the last year being on in a very small way is great I, I don't know I'm excited to see I'm excited to see everything that we booked Rob Marge and Ursula yeah both of them I don't know I, I actually don't know much about either show other yeah. than what I've seen sort of on social media I missed both of them at West End Live but I've only heard really good things about both and um, I think you guys picked really well this year. Yeah. yeah. You've got some good stuff you're going to. I'm still undecided. There is a comedian that I found here last year at the Fringe. Mm. And it was really small, as Charlie said. Um, her name's Catherine Henson. And she's back this year. But I found her really, really funny. And I don't know. I may go and see her. It's a late night one, so I may be running out that, of here. That's, that's fine. I will stay home and sleep. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, no. So we saw Choir of Man last night, and mm. I was excited to see that. And oh my god, it did not disappoint. It was <sighs> lovely and just so high energy, and like all those men are just ridiculously talented. So that was really cool. And and it's going to be back in London this autumn and winter. So that is very cool. So I'll be going to see that again. And Spring Awakening as well. I just I've heard about that show for a really long time now because well. Glee, not the most theater nerdy way of knowing about it, but I do uh, because of that show. And yeah, just, I'm really excited to see that. Okay, so uh, what are some of your favorite fringe memories? Just coming up here and seeing people like having a moment is lovely, but it's mainly kind of comedians that it's really noticeable with. Or just being there, like uh, seeing a thing early and then it becoming huge, like, six. Like, that's really cool. Um, but, yeah, I still think, like, seeing things like t- people like Tim Minchin, like, when they were quite... When they were just starting out is, is really, really cool, and that's really special. I really like it when people who are stand-ups, who've been doing stand-up for ages, try something a bit different and, like, write a play. Or I remember, like, when I was still a teenager, a comedian called Mark Watson, who people have probably heard of. He does lots of TV stuff, and he's written lots of novels... He did this thing called the hotel where him and a bunch of comedians were like in this big building. It was like a hotel and he was like running the hotel, running around with a clipboard. It was like immersive theatre, but it was all comedians like just doing slightly insane things. <laughs> and there's all these comedy fans there who'd not really ever been to immersive theatre before being very confused. But it was really, really cool that something like that was happening and there's not really anywhere else that that sort of thing would just happen at the same time yeah. as those comedians doing their own shows as well. So that was really cool. And I think, yeah, it just, it's the experience in general is just a, a really cool memory every year. And yes, I'm always exhausted at the end of it, but I've always eaten a bunch of really great food from all the street food trucks in George Square and had loads of cinnamon buns, had super fun late at night at Mad Things with some friends. Um, like I know loads of people going to the wrestling tonight. It's going to be really nice, just like hanging in the queue, even just sit with friends. So, yeah. so yeah, I think it's hard to kind of pinpoint specific stuff because every year is delightful. And how about you, Maxine? For me, I think it's the yeah, it's sort of the general vibe of just being here while it's happening. Um, I saw last year quite a few street acts, which were really really good. Um, I told you about one before. It was quite late at night, and I was walking down the mile. And um, just this man playing a piano with, like, candles all around him. And this piano was, like, dying. It was like, just, like, pieces of wood falling off. But um, super talented. Um, there's been singers just in the streets. And it's just really nice to walk around and just take it all in. I think that's another thing I really like about Edinburgh and the Fringes. on like, you can walk around at 11pm midnight in this middle bit and it feels so safe because there's so many people everywhere and obviously as a woman <laughs> yeah, it's a big you can't get that experience very often that late at night in another big city but it's so safe because everyone is just around and yes people are drinking but it's not like the type of laddie lads that are the problem when you're out late at night normally they're not they're not here. <laughs> <laughs> They're drinking somewhere else. <laughs> lots of really artsy middle class people, and it's lovely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, our people are here. <laughs> if you, I know you don't really have an answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. If you could put on a show at the Fringe together, the two of you, with your producing might and, and glory, uh, what would you guys produce for us? Don't, I don't really know. Like, there's a lot of really cool new musicals that come out of the fringe, like, obviously, like, Six. And, like, there's one I'm seeing in a couple of nights' time called Kathy and Stella Solve a Murder, which is about these two young women who do a podcast about, like, murderers, and then they end up having to solve an actual murder themselves. Um, and it's got some really cool people in it. It's got um, Bronte Barbie in it, who was on Over the Rainbow. She was one of the Dorothys. There's an actress in it who was just in Sexy Oklahoma at the Old Vic, not the Old Vic, Young Vic. Um, Sexy Oklahoma just makes sense because (laughs) that has been mentioned in a previous episode. Yeah, Sexy (laughs) Oklahoma, that's its official name. So, you know, if I was going to, which I probably wouldn't because it's expensive and I don't work in theatre, like it would probably be a cool nerdy musical type project. 
but yeah, it's it's really expensive to put a show on at the fringe. Most people lose money. People on the free fringe tend to break even and make a little bit of money, but it's it's a big financial risk. Yeah. And unless you feel like your show, especially with theatre, like it's got to kind of feel like it's then going to have another life, and this is like a way of generating publicity and good word of mouth. How about you, Maxine? I was just thinking, this has come to me just now, but if you could put on a show at the Fringe, I wonder if you could put on a musical, or what, if I could put on a musical about putting on a musical at the Fringe. <laughs> yes. The whole process from start to finish. Yeah, very meta. I think that, yeah, I think that could be quite cool. Yeah, shows within shows, aware of their own. Yeah. The journey, nice the journey of it. Yeah. Journey to the Fringe, yeah. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, I think that could be fun. Otherwise, no, I have no idea, and I probably will never put on a show here. um... Never say never. Yeah. (laughs) Is there anything else that you guys would like to say about the Fringe at large? I guess it's important to know that, yeah, it is expensive to come to this unless you're bougie, that means you can go for work and everything is paid for. You know, like, lots of stuff is on in London, and lots of comedians will take their tours around the country after this. Like, if you look at the Soho Theatre, most of the stuff on for the the next six months is all stuff that's here now, and this is, like, the run-up to their Soho Theatre run. So, and then before the Fringe, lots of comedy does their, like, does loads of warm-up gigs in London. They're really, really cheap. And then there's a thing, there's um, something called the ARG Comedy Fest, where everyone, it's like a mini Fringe. It's in this one venue. They've got a lot of different rooms. It's in Shoreditch. It's usually in July, and they loads of comedians come and do their, their hour that they're coming up here to do you can buy a pass a day pass or a weekend pass and you can literally do like a schedule of what you're seeing for that day and loads of stuff that's out here and sold out was on at ARG so and the Pleasance which is one of the big venues up here they have a venue in London which is by Caledonian Road Tube I think they do loads of previews of theatre and comedy and then they have it all on after the fringe as well so you don't have to be here, even just keeping an eye on it and seeing what's good and what's exciting. And and then finding it elsewhere. Yeah. So you can still have the yeah. fringe experience yeah. without yeah. the expense. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, but, you know, it, nothing beats being here in August and experiencing the city. And it's full of people from all over the world, which is really, really cool. Um, yeah, I've heard some accents today. Yeah. <laughs> and there's everything you could possibly want to see here. So... That's really fun, and it is something kind of I think everyone should experience at some point to go many, many years in a row like I do. <laughs> but it's, um, yeah, it's a really delightful way to spend some time. I feel like we should put the microphone up a window just to give people an idea <laughs> of what it's like being in the city during the I mean, fringe. We'll sure. do it at the end. We can do it at the end. Yeah, we'll do it at the end. We yeah. should just walk, walk up the Royal Mile recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the microphone might be good enough for you to have already heard that, guys, in the background. So, um, yeah, no, we had lots of bagpipes yesterday, mm. and there's just, like, constant people on speakerphones and just, yeah, a good buzz of, like, people having a good time. Yeah. It's very cool. And we even had fireworks last night. Yeah, that's oh. the tattoo. Yeah. Which they run every night during the Fringe, and about 10.30 every night there's fireworks and cannons going off. Yeah, I, I was like, what? What's the explosion? And then I realised it was fireworks. <laughs> it's very near here, so that probably was very loud. Um, yeah. But I, I was sat next to an American lady earlier in a show and was talking about, she was like, oh, what else is there on in August? And I was like, oh, there's a tattoo and explained what that was. And she was like, oh, yeah, those bangs were really loud last night. We were very confused. Like, yes, it's a tattoo. It's like a big military kind of parade slash sort of, pyrotechnic event it's like the if you look up at Edinburgh Castle especially down from sort of Newtown like Princess Street and stuff you see these very precarious looking stands that have been erected on like the side of the castle oh that's what the scaffolding is that's the audience oh, stuff yeah. that's where the audience sit um, usually like you have to book tickets like a couple of months before you come up here it's mostly yeah. sold out but if you walk up the Royal if you try to walk up the Royal Mile between 10, 13, 11 any night during the Fringe there's just thousands of people streaming down from the castle because they've all been at the tattoo. Yeah, it was loud. Yeah. <laughs> and now it all makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've never been to the tattoo. Every oh. year I'm like, I should go to the tattoo and then I forget and then it's sold out. Okay, next year. My parents have been. They said it was lovely. 
<laughs> well, maybe we should like make a, a fringe pact and I'll come back and mm-hmm. make sure we see the tattoo. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, now that I've come for the first time, finally, I might have to come back. Mm. It is weird when people live in Scotland have a been. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, the last couple of years have been interesting. Sure. <laughs> and I, I still don't drive and I, you know, have been in the middle of the countryside. So mm. Maxine knows she came and got me. Kidnapped me, I say. Yeah. She didn't. <laughs> but I'm, I'm saying that Maxine kidnapped me to uh, hopefully make Ollie feel better that we're podcasting without him <laughs> on the road. Yeah. We love you, Ollie. Sorry. We're replacing you, Ollie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was invited. He's he was he's, he's not here by choice. So. I know. Sorry. How dare he? <laughs> Thank you so much, Charlie, for taking the time to talk to us today. It's been lovely. And thank you for sharing all your fringe wisdom. You're so welcome. Uh, I don't know if it's wisdom, it's just... Uh, but yeah, it's, um, it's always a pleasure. Nice to see you guys. Nice yeah. to see you. And I just, I can't get over the fact that we literally walked out of the station and found each other. Yeah, <laughs> it just happens here. It's fine. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I have, like, the most exciting surprise for you guys. We have one of the choir of men men in the room with us uh, here with me, Maxine, in Edinburgh. And we're going to talk a little bit about him and choirs and choir of men. Daniel, thank you so much for being here. It's very cool. You guys were awesome last night. It's totally much. epic. We loved the show. Maxine has the coaster that flew at her head. That's was damaged. <laughs> it was such a cool show. We really, really enjoyed it. I was in awe for a good long while afterwards, especially with the ending of the show, which I won't give away in case somebody hasn't seen it, but it's epic. Uh, we're here to talk about why men don't join choirs part two because we did that last year as well so let's start talking about choirs in general yeah were you in a choir when you were a kid but no to be honest I didn't really get into singing until I was um, a lot older when I was about 18 um and I actually I joined the choir with my mother which is like a, oh, a church no. choir yeah because I thought <laughs> such a sweet I, want, story. I want to get some experience yeah um but there weren't many men there to be honest with you and they're all sort of older guys mm. so I was um I think the only person under the age of 40 <laughs> <laughs> it happens yeah. yeah but it was a good experience for for like my ear like training my ear for mm-hmm. harmony and stuff like that yeah cool um what was the main thing that you got out of being in choir basically for you at the time yeah I, I guess it was just learning to sing in harmony and mm. and to be confident in your own line and also learning how to blend as mm. well because mm-hmm. um, I think um, singing in harmony in a choir anyway it's as much about listening to other people as it is singing your own line 100%. I think you need to be very very giving it's not you're not the solo line if you're not the solo line then you need to be you know pulling back and like blending as I say yeah. unfortunately I work with a lot of people who are don't know how to blend <laughs> and that could be very very frustrating when then they're singing like basically an alto line and it's like really like, it's like okay you can just bring that down a little bit but they just can't because they're fog horns but we know that well I mean we sing in quite large groups most mm. of the time so yeah blending is really important especially because we have all the sopranos and altos and not that many tenors and baritones um and they all do a fabulous job we love you guys but yeah it, blending is I like what you said that is a much that you have to be very giving because mm. that's that's kind of always how I thought about it as well. It's mm. really cool. So after you were in the church choir with your mom, did you do any other choir stuff? Did you just stay involved with it or? No, I stayed there for a little bit. Um, it was like a gap year, and then I went to university to study musical theatre, and we had so cool. choir. I think once a week there, mm-hmm. but. Um, it's more of just a social, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like at uni. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, so I wouldn't say uh, much choiring, but um, in terms of singing in the ensemble in various musicals that we did whilst we were training, um, it's a very, very similar thing. Mm. And then when I went on to do my master's degree at drama school, um, we had some very, very strict musical directors who you have an hour class and you would maybe get four bars done because it was so, like this is the consonant, this is the cough, this is the beat you come off and you're late, you're early. And um, yeah, very, uh, very, very strict, but mm. it's, it's a good training in hindsight. Yeah. Well, I was saying to Maxine last night after the show, 
when you guys have done the very energetic dancing and then you're all singing, mm. you were all breathing. Ex- I mean, there's no other space to breathe, but I was just caught by how you guys were all breathing, breathing in like perfect unison. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And then just dripping in sweat. Yeah. All that. <laughs> but yeah, that's, um, from my own experience in choirs, like smaller groups as well, when you're all breathing together, it just feels different. Mm. And it's like something that is like my personal goal with my choir at work because yeah. in that odd moment when we all breathe in unison together, I'm like, oh, we did it. We were a choir. Yeah, Amazing. yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. it's probably as important as um, when you sing as, as when you breathe because if you have lots of, <laughs> it's very um like breathing in canon, it's not yeah. very, uh, it's not very good. So, so specifically in a lot of the numbers, actually, with the with our MD, our associate musical director Holly, um, we were assigned bars to breathe um, in the number um, fifty ways. You know the one with yeah. the tap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, yeah, fantastic, <laughs> fantastic number. Yeah. Luckily, he doesn't have to sing in that one. Bless him. No, yeah, that well, would be hard. Ice is tough, no. But yeah, it's it's just as important, and I think um, it can get overlooked. Yeah. Um, for me, it's all about small details, and that's big one. From your training. Yeah. Well. yeah. So how did you first start getting involved with Choir Man? Where did that start? I auditioned in February, maybe. I can't remember now. Maybe March. <laughs> what but, is time? That's, yeah. That is my normal... I say that in every episode, because I'm always struggling for when anything is anymore. Yeah. But yeah. Yes. Yeah. So earlier this year. <laughs> yeah, earlier this year. And um, it was for a production that was specific to Las Vegas, actually. Oh. Um, so uh, I didn't hear anything for a while because they couldn't agree. Um, the, they couldn't get it figured out, essentially. So um, I thought, oh, okay, um, maybe this, um, maybe I've missed it in this particular opportunity. Um, but then they came back to me and said, we're going to be doing a run at the Fringe in commentary in Edinburgh. Would you like to do it? And I said, yeah. And then that's the rehearsal started in April, I believe. Mm-hmm. And we've been we did eleven weeks in commentary, and then we've come up here for four weeks in Edinburgh Fringe, which has been fantastic. Very cool. Oh God, the turnaround from auditioning and then just being out on stage, yeah, super fast. How how do you guys do it? Like I was saying to Maxine yesterday, I was like, I wonder how many men there are in the choir like at large because obviously yeah how many men are there and how do you guys there's quite a few yeah um there's a lot of alumni uh, as well um like yesterday actually we had um gary in and he's never done a show with this particular group because unfortunately um our regular poet um he's been a bit unwell so we had to get a last minute covering and fortunately gary lives in glasgow so it was like okay 40 minute train um that's just an example um right now they have two casts out on two ships so that's another two um they had a cast out in korea they've got a cast going to the west end so i guess right now you could say there's four different iterations um that are currently performing and that's not including all the guys who've done it before so i'd say there's probably at least the best part of 50 guys amazing yeah getting you all together on stage would just be that, that, that would be special that would be that super would be special, special. Yeah. yeah um how much of the show do you have memorized at any one time because i was wondering if you guys always have the same character or if mm-hmm. you switch characters around as well uh well myself i i i only play this role but we do have um, our swings who each we've got three swings and they each cover three different roles so they yeah they know three different parts mm-hmm. um i guess if i was at a push i could probably uh wing my way through a different couple of different roles just because i've done it so much now and i yeah. think i can figure out where they go and i think i'm on the same harmony as um one of the other guys so i could maybe blag his solo <laughs> if i was hard pressed uh, <laughs> yeah but i'd love i mean they're all they're all really quite fun roles um, and i'd love to try my hand at all of them to be honest i think maybe the bass is probably a bit too low for me Mm, yeah no that every time I hear I heard like the extra low notes it was very cool um but then also the okay chandelier I was like wow um so much stuff going on in that in that um were you singing like really high notes yeah yeah I yeah amazing just very cool what is your favorite um song from the show right now is it the one that you sing or something else? Unfortunately, um, 
my favourite song we had to cut because oh, of no. time, um, oh. and it usually comes right at the end. Yeah, yeah, which is a shame. Um, and that's a cappella. Oh, so I think wow. you really, really enjoyed that one. Um, okay. Yourselves. Hopefully, it'll be in London. It will be. Yeah, it will be for sure. Good. But um, it's a traditional Irish folk song called "Parting Glass," and it's a really beautiful arrangement. Um, it's only short. It's like two pages of music, but um, yeah, it's really lovely. Really lovely. Lots of listening. Blending. Yeah. Wow. That that'll be a treat for sure. Yeah. Um Adele was very good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <She in>. <laughs> <laughs> you were very good channeling Adele. It was it was amazing. Very thank cool. you very much. Um my other favorite one was Teenage Dream, but I just have yeah. a soft spot for that song being sung by guys basically because <laughs> glee. But yeah. um yeah, that was just so because also, like, you're playing on it being out of character mm. as well. So, yeah, the packed a punch. It was good. Yeah, um, so, and so. it's also kind of the first indication you have of what the show's going to be like with pulling people up on yeah. stage and stuff. So, yeah. I'd like to ask, going back to before you went to uni, mm -hmm. being part of a choir with your moms, what was that experience like in regards to social cycles, your friends? Was mm. there any – did you ever experience any kind of – pushback from friends who maybe aren't into singing mm. or well I mean to be honest with you I mean to answer that I could uh, refer to my whole experience of going into performing arts mm, um, yeah. a lot of my friends there is definitely a stigma attached to it and because um, I was originally studying IT and then I did that for two days and I was bored out of my head <laughs> and then I, I ran into a friend of mine from school and we used to sing and muck about and um in class and I like, just sing at the back and be naughty she said oh I'm doing musical theatre course might you come doing this and then you know I ended up starting to take it seriously um realizing okay wow I really enjoy this but I would talk to my friends and they were all doing um you know like sixth form and a levels like proper subjects you know <laughs> air quotes um, yeah there were air quotes <laughs> yeah and there was um there's a phrase it's like um you know why are you doing that mickey mouse Mickey Mouse degree, you know, or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, in society, um, we're really not valued as much as. Well, I mean, that was evidenced in, in the past two years exactly. when you had the chance of telling us to retrain. Yeah. Which was nice, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. But I mean, I guess we're not essential, like, you know, like a, do a doctor or a nurse, sure, but like after two years of everyone being stuck inside. People, the they, arts are essential for everybody's souls. Exactly. Right? Not to get too deep. Mm. But, no, mean, you're absolutely right. That's why there were so many people releasing videos from home for us. Mm. Like Gary Barlow doing like one a day for ages. Like it was a highlight. I and mean, he was just having a bit of fun for us. And, you know, that was cool. And like so many different groups and so many different people also experimenting and banding together because what else could they do yeah but they were like the having the desire to put your art out there because you it's good for you but like also good for everybody else like we wouldn't have got through the last two years without people doing that no definitely not definitely yeah, not. And yeah. you need that you need to express you know you can work 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 but then it's just as important to relax and have your downtime when you go home and you need to unwind what do you do Music. Put the TV on, yeah. or you watch film, and that's all mm -hmm. surplus. Apparently, mm -hmm. it's not. No, no, of course, no, <laughs> it's not at all. But um, yeah, I guess I think I think the stigma really is um, with singing and men is that it's very exposing, isn't it? Mm. Like you sing, and instantly you're going to be judged. Are they good or not? Are they bad? And if they're bad, if you sound bad, if you think you sound bad, you're very insecure and you're shy about it. Yeah. So instead of putting yourself in that position, you would just say, "Oh no, I'm not doing that." Uh, that's what girls do, you know. Well, that's gay, you know. That's that's the stuff you hear. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, and it's a real shame, and I think that's maybe a problem in this society in the West. Maybe not so much so in Europe. Like I have a lot of um, Eastern European friends who they're really into folk dance over there, whereas in this country, you know, I mean, hopefully his attitudes have changed now, but um, you don't see little boys doing ballet. Yeah. Whereas in like Ukraine, whatever, like they. They do it from a young age. So I, I guess it's just a society. You know, in this country, we want, we want our little boys playing football or cricket or rugby, not joining a choir. And um, that's a real shame. Yeah. Because we can do everything. Yeah. Hell yes. Just like the lioness has just proved, right? Exactly. So, yeah. 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 It's, uh, 
yeah, that divide between sports and the arts is huge. I mean, I had that in high school mm-hmm. and my school was actually pretty awesome when it came to that. But when it came down to it, if you had somebody on a sports team who was also in the musical, there, there was definitely tension. Like mm-hmm. sports was meant to come first because mm-hmm. the musical is expendable. And yeah, it's, um, I just felt for the kids that were in that position because why not do everything, mm-hmm. especially if you love it. But I think they're very much, um, I mean, it's still performance, isn't it? You know, when you, when you watch, I don't know how much sports you watch, but you say, you know, they need to perform better. You know? Yeah. It's the same as being on, well, I mean, obviously it's quite different, but uh, yeah, I think it's quite similar. The transferable skill yeah. is performance. Yeah. You've got to show up. Um, it's all well and good being good in you know, rehearsal or in like, practice, but then when you get to the big game or the big show, you've got to be able to perform. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's why I love it. I, uh, I mean, I'm just big show off at heart, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what I loved about the show. Mm. I think, you know, any man who may have been in the audience who might enjoy singing at home and maybe think, can I do this or outside of the show? Or, you know, it, I think it, a show like that just sort of shows you that it's okay. Like, it's okay to like singing. It's okay to like going to the pub and drinking beer and maybe watching sport and it's okay to sing like it doesn't have to be exclusive it doesn't make you any less of a man it doesn't make you feminine it doesn't you know it's silly but that's why you know the show is great that's why Mm. I like to find it I mean you're actually really explicit explicit Mm. about it in the show because yeah you're singing in the pub and you're watching football but you're also having your emotions mm. and your heart is there. And yeah, I loved it. Just that message as well. Cause we were like, we need to talk to them. Because yeah. of that. <laughs> um, well, a, a lady came up to me after the show, um, I think two days ago. Mm. Um, she approached me and um, she told me um, it, it really spoke to her particularly because um, sadly a, a husband took a, his own life mm-hmm. four months prior. And um, she said, when you're speaking about men needing to talk about their emotions and not bottle yeah. things up, and she, she said he wished that maybe he could have seen the show because it maybe might have helped him to start a dialogue so he could have gotten the help he needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately that didn't happen for him. But mm-hmm. for her, I think it was cathartic to see men albeit in performance but trying to um, – spread a positive message about their speaking about their emotions in instead of bottling it all up. We, we often get people who, you know, lives change by, by watching the show. And it's really, it's really humbling because for us, as much as we love it, um, you know, it's a job and sometimes it, we can get weighed down with that and forget really we're just playing and we're having, for some people, we're having quite a profound effect on their lives. So um, that was really really humbling never underestimate the impact you can have on another person what else would you like to talk to us about what's going on with you what's going on with me uh well i've been releasing my own solo music awesome (laughs) which you can find on all the streaming platforms Mm -hmm. um spotify apple music and all that stuff my name is daniel len l-e-n we will tag you don't worry thank you everybody will know who you are (laughs) (laughs) okay so final question why should men join choirs, in your opinion? <laughs> in my opinion, I think that it, singing is an expression of joy, and I think everyone can sing. And I think people who say they can't sing are just a little bit too nervous. I'll lead it to an anecdote. When you look at babies, uh, little kids, they love singing. They love singing. They love dancing. You know, it's just something we do naturally. And I think as we get older, we get told to stop doing it. It's like, shut up, be quiet, this and that. And um, they did a study, actually. They, they did a... Uh, there was a choir that was put into um, some office. I don't know what the company was, but then morale drastically improved yeah. over like a three-month period. And it was just like one hour a day during the lunch break. They had a little choir. Everyone had to sing. And like, it's proven. It's proven. So yeah. that's why everyone wants to sing. You feel better afterwards. Or if you're feeling bad, you know, you have a little cry. And then you feel good afterwards, you know, sing some sad songs or sing some happy songs, depending on how you're feeling. There's a song for every occasion. That's why I would say I love singing. I'm a massive advocate for it. Yeah, I teach singing, so I write my own music. I love to sing, sing all the time. I used to think I'd sing as Tourette's. 
So I think <laughs> I just made that up. <laughs> singing all the time. Yeah. It, loving a musical, just singing all the time. Yeah. Whenever, whenever you feel the need to express. Definitely, I, I walk down the street and sing to myself happily. I think I'm a bit crazy. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> especially if you're in London or a big city, like anything goes in a big city. Yeah. yeah, well, especially here in Edinburgh, you know, you get people especially walking around right now. dressed up in yeah. X, Y, and Z. So, yeah, yeah, we saw a banana today. Oh, really? Okay, I saw a potato the other day. Brilliant. <laughs> Edinburgh, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Thank you so much for taking the time. On your day off as well. It's just been brilliant. And yeah, we love the show. And hopefully we'll see you in another cast soon. Well, thank you very much, Casey Maxine. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, Two top guests with uh, Maxine and Katie there. Charlie C, absolute font of knowledge about uh, the Fringe. Really great to have her on and hilarious that they literally bumped into her straight out of this train station and that just seems to be something that happens at the festival uh, up in edinburgh so really great loved having charlie on i'm sure she's getting her 2023 and 2024 excel spreadsheet sorted already and then yeah daniel from choir of man one of our first performers uh, from the west end joining us on the podcast which is fantastic as i said katie g and maxine top networking uh, really pleased about that And if you enjoyed that, well, you're in luck because this is a two-part special and we have more special guests coming on. We've got Anna and Margot, who are two of our members, who are also massive uh, Fringe fans. Um, They also bumped into K2G and Maxine uh, when they were up there. They had a bit of a chat and then Anna and Margot said that they would come onto the the pod and talk about their experience. So that's coming up in the next episode of this two-parter. But then... In the second half of that, we have more men from Choir of Man, which is really hard to say, and I'm really labouring, and this is about the 17th take I've taken, but we have more Choir of Man coming to talk to you about their experience on the show, some of their highlights about the festival, and more insights about um, the touring company as a whole, and also they really delve into some of the wider issues uh, around men and choirs and the performing arts. So really interesting stuff from, from the guys in that special interview. So hope you enjoy that when it comes out. And then you may have seen on the main choir Instagram and Facebook page that we have got special new dedicated social channel accounts for the podcast. We've had so many of you enjoy and listen to the podcast. Uh, we've had to actually sort of sort this out and get our own channels. So follow us at WEMC Talks on Twitter and Instagram. We'll be sending out links. But yeah, thank you so much for listening and hope you enjoy this uh, Edinburgh Festival special edition. More from Maxine and Katie G in the next episode. <laughs>